Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan, and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure you check out the show notes for more details and information on today's topic. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. Okay, we are back with another episode, and I have somebody who I've actually, I probably have met in real life, but I know her best online, which is really the beauty of social media and now this COVID world. I have Dr. Gina Dorfman with me. How are you, Gina? I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited. I'm so glad. Uh, Now, you are the co-owner and co-founder, right, I guess, of Yappy Paperless Solutions. You are now the COO, ooh la la, Chief Operations <laughs> Officer, right? And you're also a speaker. You're very popular. You are also an author. I went to look up all of your books and I'm like, ebooks and articles. Holy cow, like, do you sleep at all? <laughs> How many hours a, a night are you sleeping? Six, maybe, <laughs> if you consider that sleeping. I'm really good at falling asleep. So my son dropped the cup or something like that accidentally, just knocked it off his uh, table. And the big boom set off the alarm. Oh, no. The alarm went off. Both of our dogs started to bark. My son woke up. My daughter woke up. My husband woke up. We had a phone call from ADT, which the phone is like right next to me. It was ringing off the hook because they just wanted to make sure everything is fine. I heard about it in the morning. Oh, my. Are you serious? I had no idea any of that was going on. Wow, I wish I had that superpower. I am like naturally high throughout the day and then at some point I just pass out. <laughs> I love it. This is a, a pretext to how this conversation is going to go. We just have so much fun when we talk to each other. I was on your podcast, so thank you for that. And I can link to that as well. But one thing that we don't really put out publicly is that Gina and I are part of a, a mastermind that meets about once a month. And we have a topic that we attack and it's been one of the, one of the fun things that I do professionally. And it's so nice to hear different viewpoints for my listeners. I just did a two-part series on managerial guilt and I talk about having masterminds in there. And one of the masterminds I talked about was having a professional mastermind based on topics. And whenever Gina speaks up, it always gives me the insight on what's going on behind the scenes, because not only are you holding the drill, but you're also behind the trade show table too. So you're at trade shows. Do you miss being on the floor? Do you miss seeing the people? I do. I miss it so much. I'm a hugger, which probably could get annoying. I love people. I feed off energy you know, of other people. And I miss having brainstorming sessions and masterminds. And, you know, Zoom is great. It really, like, you know, it kept us all connected. Google Meets, whatever the, you know, whatever platform you're using. There's something about being in person with other people. There's something about being on stage. I love being on stage. Hmm. It's funny because I actually, um, I had to force myself to do that a little bit because I'm, if you, no one believes it, but I have a stage fright. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't believe you, but you know what? I've heard it from people that are super, super successful at it and they still feel like they're going to throw up every time they go on. Yeah. It's just, it's just such an incredible feeling to be there and seeing, you know, just interacting with people and, 
and feeling their energy and then have them come up to you after the show and ask questions. You always know how you did based on how many people are lined up to talk to you. Mm. We were doing Zooms and I always, you know, or webinars and I always give out my email and, you know, I get so many questions. I get bogged down with those emails, but I love it. And so I really love that life. So I'm, I'm actually going to be in Austin for AGD and I literally cannot wait. I'm like picking out outfits already. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's your first in-person? Yeah, that's going to be my first in-person since, gosh, the last one was midwinter at 2019. Yeah, same. You know, and this year I was at midwinter. I spoke at midwinter, but it was, you know, it was a webinar style. No, it was midwinter 2020 was my last one. Yes. Yeah, 2020. I was going to say not 2019. I think you were on the docket for 2020. <laughs> and midwinter is probably one of my favorite meetings. When midwinter went virtual this year, I was like, okay, this is this is okay. I saw your course and people could go to your booth and get their little yappy dogs. And that's something you guys should look at. Are there going to be yappy dogs at Adon? Absolutely. Okay. They, I, I always, it's like my American Express. I never leave the house without my yappy puppies. <laughs> But you had pretty good attendance on the um, the virtual class, the the midwinter class, and I was pleasantly surprised to hear from midwinter that they had a pretty decent sign up. Yankee had pretty decent sign up, so perhaps we don't go back to full virtual and and do kind of a hybrid. Are there parts of speaking virtually that you actually liked better than speaking in person? Was there anything that you could pull out and be like, oh, you know what, I could really do something with this? You know, yes and no. I mean, obviously, it's just so nice to just be able to, you know, people ask you like, oh, can you do this? Sure. Like I'm speaking for the like new, new graduate dentists in New York. And I guess new graduate is like, you know, first year graduation up to like maybe seven, 10 years. So they're not completely fresh, but it, it's nice because it's like, it's the day before my birthday and I wouldn't be able to do it if, you know, my family would want me to be home for that. Sure. So you could do things that a little bit more flexibility. You can do things on a short notice. Have you ever watched, there was a, what's his name? Bill O'Reilly. When oh, yeah. He, there's a video of him on YouTube. If you haven't seen it, you have to look it up. There's a video of him when he's trying to do a live show, no, a recorded show. And he's trying to read something from the teleprompter. And he keeps messing up because the teleprompter is not making sense. And at some point he just gets up, he throws his jacket off and he's like, <laughs> eh, but we're doing it live. <laughs> First webinar that I was doing, my marketing team was like, okay, it's going to be polished. We're going to pre-record it. It's going to feel like it's live, but it's going to be recorded. Like no mistakes, perfect sound, everything. No barking dogs in the background. <laughs> so I'm trying to do this and I'm talking to my computer, realizing that there's no one listening to me. I am talking into ether, essentially. And I keep screwing up because I don't feel like the energy. I don't feel the response. And, and I didn't watch this before. And at some point I'm like throwing things and I'm like, oh, but I'm doing it live. And my husband was just dying in the room next door because he's like, you've seen Bill O'Reilly before. I'm like, no, I actually haven't. <laughs> so that has become a thing. Whenever I do a webinar or whatever, they're like, oh, but we're doing it live. Like clear everything out. She's going to turn into Gina O'Reilly. Yes. It's a mental block to get past that. One thing that I, I've had to do when I actually, when I started consulting, I didn't want to go in people's offices. And so I did a lot of virtual consulting. And then one thing that I had to realize, and maybe this is a trick for you, is I used my best friend, Raina, who is very bubbly, very funny, very just, I mean, she's always ready with a dirty joke. I love her so much. <laughs> I feel like she's watching me. So I have this mental image of Raina watching me and waiting to heckle me and all that. And 
for some reason that makes me feel confident. It makes me feel grounded. And so that really is why I think I do very well with virtual presentations because I have this mindset that I'm entertaining her, which is very strange now that I say it, but that's really helped me, right? If you feel like, you know, you're speaking into the ether, then yes, of course it makes it, you know, just how are you connecting? And on the stage, you know, it's nice to be able to look at someone's eyes and look at someone else's eyes and see if they're, you know, paying attention. And then you look over and there's always somebody asleep or texting, right? Like those are always the ones. Yeah. You kind of slow down or walk over to them just to see what they're doing. It just puts them off a little bit. It's kind of fun, right? (laughs) Someone looks out. I'm always like, wait, 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 it's going to get better. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget your review. That's what you said at the end. So is there a favorite audience that you've had? Honestly, Midwinter is always great. Like yeah. that's uh, my also my favorite meeting. <laughs> I once spoke at TDA and it was actually, it was one of those times when it was, I think it was the first time when they had the speakers on the floor. It was set up for a fairly big audience, but they didn't really promote it. There was nothing there. And we had like five people. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually, I was co-hosting. So there were two of us on the stage. We were talking like together and we both flew from LA. There were five people listening, but they were the most engaged audience I've ever had. Very cool. Another story, I was at, I was speaking at the Yankee and it was the, I don't remember what game it was, but it was the day after, it was, was it Super Bowl? I don't remember what it was, but it was like LA won against Boston. I think maybe Lakers versus Celtics or something like that. I remember. And I was speaking then, I kept saying I'm from LA and I completely forgot about the game. Oh no. And at some point, I was like, any questions? And then a woman comes up and she starts asking me like, how do you feel standing here after this game? And I was like, where's the nearest exit? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Audience is a little different at Yankee, I feel like. They're a little, like TDA, they're very warm generally. Like they're like huggers, you know, midwinter is always great. That's like a big, great warm show. And sure. I have our dog. I have actually a picture with my giant yappy poppy and the Chicago Dental Society dog like that. But Yankees, very cold meeting, literally. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is a cold, definitely a cold meeting. So, yeah, I mean, you know, lots of stories. Um, I like speaking to smaller groups. Like VOD feels like home. Um, I don't know if you were at the last uh, Voices of Dentistry, which was January 2020. That was a blast. There was just such a receptive audience. You could do a lot of like inner jokes because a lot of podcasters are there, a lot of people from Facebook groups. You can do things at that show that you can't do anywhere else. If I could think of a highlight of my meetings, that definitely would be Voices of Dentistry. And I'm so excited about the one that's coming up next year. I am definitely planning on attending that. I had to cancel one year because my dad had gone into the hospital. Everything's okay now. And then I think the one that I was planning on going to was Yankee. It was too close. I was scheduled one day and I couldn't. That's what I hear from everybody is Voices of Dentistry is one of those fun meetings. And people, you don't have to be a podcaster to go to it. It's a lot of practice management classes. I think there are some clinical. It's all the podcasters. They got tables. And and if you want to get interviewed, you can from what I hear. And I mean, if you're just office manager or a dentist out there and you feel like just going on a podcast, I bet if you walked by, somebody will grab you and interview you. So (laughs) there's always the chance to get on a podcast. I hear really good things about it. And I think it's very nicely priced down in Scottsdale, I believe. It's great because it's winter, but it's Scottsdale. So it feels Mm -hmm. like summer. um, Like, yeah, for anyone who's living like 
I was in Minneapolis, was it 2019? I think it was 2019 for Star of the North. It was snowing. Yes. <laughs> it was April 23rd or something like that. You come to Scottsdale and it's warm. It's, it's just great weather. You know, and it's just, again, it has a, such a great ambience. Howard Ferran was, was at the last meeting and I spoke once in dental town, but the number of times that Howard Ferran would pull me on the stage and he used to call me by my moniker, like Mopsy, which was my cat's name. He like just <laughs> yelled out from the stage, Mopsy, are you a cat or are you a woman? That is so funny. <laughs> I know some people rag on his podcast, but I got to tell you, I, I did my podcast up and I always check out who's on because some of the best interviews have been the people who come on Howard because he has a way of just saying, stop trying to hide things and just say it. Just say what you need to say. I never know what Howard you're going to get on the stage. Yeah. That's the mystique of it. I've been at meetings where people have loved Howard. And then I've been at meetings where the meeting planners at the cocktail party that night were like, I told you we shouldn't have brought him in. You know, God love him. He's definitely an icon. I just need to circle back real quick to the Yankee audience because Maybe it's because I'm East Coast mixed with a little bit of Southern, but mostly the East Coast crowd is like that. Like they just, they look at you and they're just waiting for you to crack a bad joke or, a, and then they'll pounce. If you're just as witty and like, and you are, and, and just kind of uh, on the attack with them, I think they respond really well. It's definitely one of my favorite meetings just because I've been going there for so long. But I'll tell you, the one meeting that I had a hard time with was Greater New York. Have you spoken for them? No, I actually, I have not. It's just always like, because we have kids and it's always around yeah. Thanksgiving time and like they're not out of school yet to make it a New York trip for them. Right. So I only went, I think it was 2019. I actually attended a full day of Joshua Austin's lectures. Oh, well, he would make it fun. He's just amazing. He's so funny. At last, Voices of Dentistry, it was him. He had a serious subject. He was talking about depression and suicide and therapy. But he's the only person who can pull off making such a serious subject into a really entertaining, engaging lecture. And they played the recording on um, on their Working Interferences podcast. And you could just hear me laughing through the whole, like, <laughs> I was sitting right in front. Like, they had round tables. I was sitting, and his mic was picking up my my laughter. You could just hear it. Erin <laughs> Elliott commented, like, because I have, like, I guess, fairly distinctive laughs. She's like, yeah, I, I can hear Gina's laughing the whole time. <laughs> But he was preceded by um, Mike Detola, And like those two guys together, like they're the funniest dudes in dentistry. I mean, I love Ferran. He's funny. You know, I consider him my mentor. But these two guys are just, and like they're presentable. You know, like you can have them at any event. <laughs> and I know we talk a lot about the road and all that. And, and people are like, okay, well, what about, what about what I can do with this information? Let's talk about the practice management because you do love to talk about that. First of all, we were in some groups and I was like, oh, she's she's really funny. I knew you were a yappy girl. That's how I knew you. <laughs> then you started really coming out with some good comments on things. And I was like, oh, she really, you know, she knows what she's talking about. Then I started watching the videos this is like over a two year period, watching webinars and looking at your articles. What I appreciate, and I think people who listen to this podcast will appreciate it, is that you're just a no BS person. Like you will say on these <laughs> comments, you'll say, uh, that's not right. Please don't tell me that. I know what I'm talking about. That's not right. Honestly, we need more of that instead of some of the sugarcoating that's going on out there. But as I shared with you before the meeting, people, you got to look and see if she's coming in your area because one of her topics is how to delegate without being a witch. <laughs> how to do anything without being a witch is going to make me a 10. That's just, that's just it. <laughs> what on earth brought that title into existence? 
You know what? Actually, there's no great backstory, but what happened is Kira Dent from A Plus Team. Um, she works with oh A Team. Yeah, she's got a great podcast. She and Summer are putting together um, an event called Women Dentists Connect. They do an annual event. They had me speaking at their life event a couple of years ago, um, and it was about life-work balance, which is like, uh, it's odd that I'm talking about this because I know nothing about life-work balance because it doesn't even exist, actually. (laughs) Kira actually came up with the title, and I'm like, all right, that's totally up my alley because I can delegate. People always are like, you know, you do so much. How do you get everything done? And yeah, I do a lot, but I don't do that much. A lot of what happens is a result of the amazing team that I've built around me at my dental practice. I have 33 people in my dental practice. My office manager has been with me for over 15 years. Nice. She's not, she's not even an office manager. She's a practice administrator. She's managing a team of 33. She came to me as an intern from dental assisting college. I just remember her sitting, you know, I did, we did the internship and we did like the end of the internship interview and she was sitting in front of me. And she was full of energy and just full of life. She was burning through that chair. And you could just tell, like, that's a quality person. She doesn't know a lot. She's very young. She went into, like, I think it was um, Everest or Bryman College, something like that, right after high school. But she was someone, like, you, you know, you could train her. She had the right verbal skills, the right energy. You don't pass up on people like that. I was like, you know, I don't really have a position, but we'll figure something out. I have some scanning. That needs to be done. We have some recall projects to do. We'll figure this out. So I hired her and she's been pretty much, you know, growing into that position. Now she's running an office. I haven't been there for two weeks. You know, I don't get a lot of calls from them. Wow. I go to Maui every year for, um, for 30 days. We rent a little, um, like a villa. It's not on the ocean, but it's oceanfront. And it's just mm-hmm. where we go with the kids and just, you know, we, we work. It's not a month long vacation. I do a lot of writing. I do my podcast from there. I, I'm very involved with Yappy. It's basically my full-time job now. But my team is running the office. And honestly, I feel like they love me. Like, I don't feel, I know a lot of, especially female dentists, they say, you know, maybe my team would have treated me differently if I were a man. You know, they would listen to me more. Yeah. If I were a man, they would respect me more. I don't feel that way. I was actually just recently promoted to the CEO of the company. <laughs> so I'm running this, you know, we have 33 employees at, at Yappy. I'm sorry, at, at my dental practice. We have oh, over 70 now at Yappy. Congratulations. Wow. 70? Yes. Wow. It's been really like fast growth the last couple of years. It's been really fun and, and it's like an opportunity for me to do something that as a dentist, I normally wouldn't be able to do. I'm not managing anyone. People just do things and, and it's successful. I don't have to be away. So when, when Kira told me about it, I'm like, okay, let me see what is it really that I do that makes it possible. And that's kind of how that lecture came about. So if you have a manager taking your class and she's got maybe three or four people up front that are working with her, I coached, I don't even know how many people have been in this situation. And what they say to me always is, I can do that. It's faster for me to do it than it is for me to follow behind them and check on that. And I know what I would say. I'm pretty sure. I'm very interested in what you would say. So what would you say to somebody like that? That's a great question. And that's a problem with delegation. We tell ourselves that it's faster to do it ourselves, right? The other problem that that happens is, so we have certain strength and other people have certain strength. And we almost feel, and I think you mentioned this, like we need to duplicate ourselves to have them do what we can do. 
And where it comes from is that someone will, will ask them to do something and they'll come back and they'll do it. And they won't do it exactly the way we'll do it because they have a different set of strength. And we catch on this right away. So we think they can't do anything. I see, I need to do this myself. The reality is you just need to give them enough information. You need to set clarity. There's a great book uh, by Mike Michalowicz, who was a guest on my podcast. I absolutely adore him. He wrote seven or eight books. They're funny. They're short. They're easy to read. Tons of actionable information. Clockwork is really like there's a piece about delegation, which is something that I've stumbled. Like, where was this book when I was learning how to do this, right? <laughs> right. But basically, the idea is, is that we're task-grabbing people, right? We tell them, okay, go tie your shoes. And then when you're done, come back and I'll tell you what the next step is. We're really micromanaging because we're so afraid that things are not going to get done just perfect. But here's the thing. First of all, done is better than perfect. This is absolutely true. (laughs) Great is the enemy of good or something like that, right? There's, There's another expression. But basically, like I can, I'm a very, I'm a high fact finder. Um, I'm a perfectionist. I'm a dentist. Like I'm, I'm used to like, I put on my 4X loop, you know, with a light and I'm looking into tiniest canal and, and like, that's how I work. But the reality is most people don't operate this way. Like if I read an article, I would notice a, a little typo, Yes, but when it's in my article, I definitely see the typos, right? So done is, done is better than perfect. It's never going to be perfect anyway. You, the first rule of delegation is set clarity. People cannot do things if they don't understand what a good result looks like. And this is where we all fail. Like, think about it. So someone on a, on one of the groups, one of those posts that turned into like, what is it called? Dumpster fire. <laughs> it's a total popcorn pose. That's what I call it. I pull up my popcorn and just read the responses. <laughs> yes. It was something about, you know, like team members and, you know, the minimal wage is higher. And then, you know, the unemployment was super sized again and like how are dentists going to compete and then where team members were like well you can get paid more when you work for chick-fil-a here's the thing to get a job at chick-fil-a let's just hypothetically say it's fulfilling it's great to get a job at chick-fil-a you have to go through like eight step interview process you can't just spam on indeed with your resume you have to go to their headquarters and apply or you have to go to their website to apply then you take a test an aptitude test Then you have an attitude test. Then you have the first interview, the second interview, the face-to-face interview, the face-to-face with the second manager interview. Then you go through orientation process. And only at the end of that process, you're either hired or you're not hired. Zappos has the same, well, not exactly the same. They have their own interview process, which I actually talk a lot about. about. It's similar to the interview process that we have. So they say, well, you know, everyone at Chick-fil-A is so happy because the management is good. Or because their process is actually selecting out unhappy, miserable people who don't make the extra effort to do the right things. When it comes to delegation, when it comes to operations in dental office, we have two things. We have people, we have systems. First of all, a lot of times we just have the wrong people on the bus. You know, you can't delegate correctly. You can't expect anything. You have the wrong people. They're going to drive the morale of the entire team down. There's actually been an experiment. For anyone is is interested, uh, there was an article that I wrote for Dental Economics, I think it was the March issue, building a practice that sparks joy. And this is kind of based on, you know, like Marie Kondo, your practice. Yeah. Five steps. And the very first step is get the right people on the bus. 
you know, coming from the book, uh, From Good to Great. Jim Collins. Yeah, good book. We don't know how. Like Jim Collins doesn't explain how to do this. My whole presentation at Midwinter was about getting the right people on the bus and rolling people off the bus. And we don't have time for this right now. But <laughs> yeah, like hit me up. We could talk about this stuff. for. I'm telling you, we could talk. We have it set for like 45 minutes to an hour. And I'm like thinking, oh, my God, I need like a three-parter with you. We could do a daily <laughs> show on this subject. But basically getting the right people. And a lot of times we're stuck in this mentality that, you know, if I let Susie go, well, I'll never find anyone. Like, what if the next one is worse? Who is going to run care credit? Like, Susie's the only one who knows how to run care credit. Right. We put up, we put up, we put up. Then we start losing the good people because no one wants to pitch hit for an unperforming poor employee with bad attitude. Right. If Susie sucks, I don't want to work with her. Yeah. Yeah. You, you will lose. You will absolutely lose good people if you keep these like deadweight employees on. Absolutely. And then the second part is systems. And we don't have systems in the practice. Most practices don't have systems set up. When I lecture, I say, okay, raise your hand if you have job descriptions. <laughs> people in the room. Five. You know what they'll say? I have a human resources manual. Does that count? No, it doesn't count. I mean, it does, but it doesn't really. When was the last time you looked at it? And even job description is not enough. We have checklists. We have like daily checklists. We have huddle checklists. We have monthly checklists. We have, I have four binders, four, four inch binders that I put over many, many years together. Mark Costas talks a lot about this. Mike Michalowicz talks about grab your iPhone and start talking into the phone. Have people who already do the job record those systems for you. But you have to have documented systems because then you have consistency. Then everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing and what everyone else is supposed to be doing. And then you can flush them out. Once you put them together, don't overthink, just put them together. Then you can flush them out. You can figure out what can be improved to have good systems. Once you have systems, delegation becomes easier because then Everyone understand what needs to be done. I'll give you an example. You can say, I need you, Susie, you need to keep a productive schedule. What does a productive schedule look like? Susie's definition of productive schedule could be different from yours. How do we hire in a dental office? We hire Susie because Susie used to work for Dr. Barks. (laughs) I don't know anything about Dr. Barks. He might have been completely incompetent. Right. We say, Susie, this is your new chair. You sit here. You're going to learn from Debbie by osmosis what we do here. And then, you know, Debbie leaves and then Susie kind of starts doing things her way. And then no one knows what we're we're doing anymore, right? So with delegation, the very first thing you need to do is set clarity. Make sure you have the right systems in place. Make sure you have the right people. You can't delegate to the wrong people. It was Dave Maloli posted the other day. And I don't know if it was his quote or it was someone else's quote. But the quote said, if you need to micromanage someone, you have the wrong person. Oh, 100%. 100%. Something else you said too, managers, you really need to pay attention to this and, and dentists too. I know a lot of dentists listen. But what Gina said was super important. When you have somebody that you're interviewing and you are taking a look at how they're going to work with the team, that attitude test is, I think, really super important. Aptitude is great. We can teach them. But attitude, my goodness, there's personality tests, right? But I wish that there were situations like virtual reality wise, I could stick people in to see how they they would react. And that way I could tell whether or not they're a good person at heart or are they teachable. If they're not teachable, you're just throwing money away and it's just going to stink. And don't you think patients realize? Haven't you heard from patients that are like, I'm so glad you got rid of that person? Yes. The minute you let someone go, everyone on your team, it's like, thank you for letting her go. Your patients mentioned this and you're like, why didn't I do that before? You mentioned if I wish there was a test. So here's what we do. And And my interviewing process is partly Zappos, 
partly something mm-hmm. I've learned from Chris Phelps, partly something that I learned from Sandy Perdue. We amalgamated all those things together and I have my own interviewing process. We do group interviews. First of all, first of all, and here's the thing. And, and I know you asked me specifically about delegation, but I'm all over the place now. No, no, no. Let's do it. Let's do it. But one question I have about the group interview, though, is now that we're not in person, are you doing Zoom group interviews now? So for the software company, we are doing Zoom. For okay. the dental office, we're still doing in person. Because the office is open. We're, you know, we, we're wearing mask and fine. I actually right. have a couple of new hires. I've never seen their faces. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> On Zoom, at least I would have seen their faces, but, but uh, in, in real life, I haven't. So first of all, the problem with Indeed, and I see this all the time, um, I see I see dentists say, you know, we had two interviews scheduled. I saw someone post this on Facebook. We had two interviews scheduled, neither one showed up. Like, what's going on? What's going on is that, you know, it used to be, and I was just remembering, I was 16 when I applied for my first front office job. We were doing filing. I was filing all day long, which probably explains my love for paperless software. <laughs> but I'm looking for charts all day long. Like that, that's yes. like, you know, it could be in doctor's car. It could be on biller's desk, like just looking for misfiled stuff all day long. It was a horrible job. But it was my first entry into dentistry. And so I actually had to get to buy an envelope, buy a stamp print the resume. I went to, like, I think it was called Kinko's back then, yes. in the envelope and had to mail it. Like that requires effort. Right now on Indeed, you can spam every dental office in the area. You don't even know anything about them. And then you call these people and like, uh, you, huh, what? Uh, yeah, sure, I'll come in. And, and it's like, and they don't show up because it doesn't take any effort. They're not committed to this. They're not coming to you because they know something about you because they want to work with you. My first interview check is that in the ad itself, and, you know, putting the right ad out is, is completely another subject as well. You must do this. You must do this. Imagine if we were looking for patients the same way we're looking for employees. You must show up on time. You must right. pay your co-payment. You must have the right insurance. You must want six veneers. It's all about must, must, must. It's like, why do you <laughs> want to work in here? Now, good people who already have jobs don't respond to must, must, must ads. Yes. And then when you say, you know, must be a team player and must be able to multitask. The fact that the human brain is not even capable of multitasking is another issue, which is switching very quickly between different neurons doing different activities. But, you know, whoever comes to an interview and says, I'm not a team player. <laughs> no, no one does. Like everyone is a team player. Everyone can yes. multitask. And when you ask them, like, what's, tell me like your worst quality. Well, to be honest with you, my worst quality is that I'm such a hard worker. People tell have to tell me you need to relax. Do less. Oh yeah. I, I'm too detail oriented. You know, I, I have to get in there and I have to fix things. That's my worst quality. Well, you told me that you're detailed oriented. How do you explain all the spelling mistakes? Right. Oh, resume, what, you, word check. What is it called? Spell checker, bro? Spell check. <laughs> so, you know, my first thing is they must answer a question in their a letter and the question is specific. Why do you want to work here? You know, we give them our website address. And if I get a dear madam letter, I'm like, well, that's not for me. I'm not madam. I'm a doctor. <laughs> this is a generic blah, blah, blah. I didn't ask you about you. I asked you about why you want to work here. And so one time, and I remember Shauna, my, my superstar practice administrator said, you know, we got like over a hundred resumes, but only 10 of them actually came with a letter. And I'm like, you don't need 10 people. You need to hire one. So choose from those 10. Don't, mm-hmm. then the other 90, if they didn't bother to read the ad, if they didn't bother to answer the question in detail, don't even bother. So she brought in 10 people. She spoke to them on the phone. I think the few, like over the phone, we decided that we don't want 
if they sound flat on the phone, if they're disengaged, if it's like, like you just woke up, they have no idea who you are. Forget it. Right. I just threw a pen. I'm, you can tell I get passionate. I talk with my hands. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. You guys should see this. I know this is audio only, but she like yoga poses, like fast yoga poses as she talks. It's so funny. (laughs) So the, (laughs) so what happens is that is we attract people that are like, they don't even like, they don't care. They're just spamming resumes and we bring them in. We reserve time on our schedule for people who are not committed, who are not specifically interested in the job. And so what happened, Shauna brought in, we did a a group interview. One of the ladies who actually ended up being hired from that interview on her resume wrote, when I looked at your website, I saw the photos of your team. We have a lot of photos. My website, if you're interested, is yourdentist.net. That's my dental practice, dentistry for kids and adults in Canadian country. If you look at my website, you'll see lots of lots of photos of my team having fun, doing things together like escape room, picnics. We have a barbecue at the office where we do like cookouts and, you know, we just do fun things together. And she just said, I want to be a part of this. Nice. Very nice. Yes. To me, it was specific. She knew why she wanted to work here. She already had another job where she was like, it's it's good, but it's just, it's not what I want. I want this. And mm-hmm. she is another, she's been a couple of years. She's a rock star, amazing employee, but that's the selection practice. Now group interviews, we do a couple of tests. First of all, the nice thing about group interviews, you can really see the dynamic between people. So we sit around the table and I bring my couple of team members in and you can see who is listening, who's paying attention, who's fiddling with their phone. Do they mm-hmm. remember the names of other people in the interview? Because sometimes you ask them the same question and they say, well, just like Teresa said, mm-hmm. well, just like, oh, I forgot her name. <laughs> if you're hiring for front office, that person has to be and bubbly and like me, I, I was a great front office person. I was a terrible dental assistant. I was more, I were the same weeks. Just terrible. I was great in the front because I am like very, you know, like I am now. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to remember people's names. You need to to be able to listen to hear, not just to listen or make it look like you need to hear what people say. You can test this in a group environment because people come to regular interviews and they have memorized questions. They're punctual. They're a team player. Where do you see yourself in five years? Which is a ridiculous question. I don't know where I'm going to be in five years. Like, why do we ask that question? What, I know. What's the point? I know. Who's going to be like, no, you know, actually, I'm just planning to um, get pregnant and quit. I would I would respect you more if you said that because that's what's going to happen, right? <laughs> right. Like, that's, that's fine. Like, but people don't normally do that. Yeah. So the point I'm going with this in a group setting, you can really, first of all, it's, a, it's disarming. Like people don't expect that. They don't know how to be in that setting. So it puts them a little bit in a dental office is full of like unexpected situation. That's what you want to measure their reaction in. Yes. Yeah. You want to see how someone reacts. You want to see how someone adapts easily. You're watching them interact. And we ask easy questions like, what books did you read? You know, and then there's some questions that are actually, you know, If someone is like, well, you know, I I go for a run every morning at six o'clock in the morning, you know that this is a person who gets up and, you know, I'm not judging, but that's a bonus because, you know, someone has a structured life, get up in the morning, they hold up their commitment. So tell something about people or if they, you know, if there are certain books, if they read business books, like maybe Mm -hmm. business might, if you're hiring for an office manager. Another test that I do is I'll take a, a, like a sticky note and crumple it and throw it in the floor. And I just watch to see if anyone picks it up. Oh, really? Interesting. 
it's not a deal breaker. It's not a deal breaker. But to me, that says someone is actually, you know, I don't need to tell them to pick up trash from the floor. That's just like a normal reaction that they uh, they have when they see trash mm-hmm. on the floor. They pick it up and they like look to where to throw it. And I know that that person, like, that's a plus one for this person. And I once was doing an interview when I had a, just hired a new associate. So I was doing an interview and she kept walking back and forth for some reason. I don't remember what she needed. And every time she would walk by, she would bend over and pick up that little piece of paper. And I'm like, <laughs> Dr. Quia, you're interfering with my interviewing problem. <laughs> I watch them as they leave. Do they hold the door out for each other? Are they respectful? Yes. Are they hostile? Do they say bye to Daisy as they walk by? If they walk by my, my front office, Daisy, who is delightful, and they don't mm-hmm. say bye to her, that's not a person I want to have on my team. Yeah. This is why I love those like behavioral questions and behavioral interviews, group interviews, because you can really tell so much. So that's that's your people. And then you got to have systems because you can have the best people in the world. But if you don't have the right systems, if you don't share clarity, like vision has to trickle down to them. And then they need to understand your core values, because if they understand your core values, they understand your vision, they know the systems, they have the right people in place, then like what is what else is there to micromanage? They can make decisions easily. I remember one dentist came to me. It was funny because it was an insurance class. And he asked me, I keep hearing that I have to have a vision and a mission statement. And he said, do you know anybody who can help me with that? And I said, yes. And I gave him some names. And I said, but why do you feel like you need one? Like, why are you asking me this? And I, I said to him, I said, why are you asking me this? And he goes, I just took a class and they told me that I wasn't going to be able to get my act together until I knew what my mission statement was. And he said, I didn't even know I was supposed to have one. So this poor guy is just sitting in my class, not even listening. He's just thinking, I'm screwed. Like, (laughs) But I see where the confusion is. But the mission statement, I think you have to be out for a little bit, obviously, as a dentist to know what your mission is and then what the overall vision is for the practice. But as a manager, too, you can't come up with a mission statement first week on the job. You have to know what your goals are and, and all of that. When you said it is better to be done than perfect, I would love to clarify for people because maybe there's new managers that don't understand this. We work so hard to get things finished and we are like, okay, this is going to be this perfect thing. But it took us a year because we kept doing so many other things. Just get it done. Like she said, like this mission statement, just put something together you believe in and then massage it. How long did it take you to come up for the vision for Yappy or for your office? Like, did you wake up with it? You might've, you might've just woken up with it, but how did you come up with yours? So no, that's a great point. I mean, first of all, when you first start, and this is why I think it's so important. I hear a lot of people say dental school doesn't teach you business skills, but you know, really like dental school just gives you the foundation to be dangerous, as Howard Freeman would say, dangerous with uh, cutting instruments rotating at 30,000 RPMs. Like that, <laughs> that's the, all we have time for. The anatomy, the biology, it's just a foundation. 50% of everything you're going to learn in dental school is unnecessary. You just don't know which part at that time because it's just all foundational and things are going to change. Like with MV2, we've learned that when I went to dental school, they said something like, you know, 24% of all first and second upper molars have a fourth canal. When I was finishing school four years later, now everyone was wearing loops and they said, no, actually 50% of all um, second and first upper molars have the fourth canal. Now that we have microscopes, they're saying 96% of all, uh, possibly 100% of all upper second and first molars have MB2. 
Wow. People evolve. I mean, the events of last couple of years showed clearly that we haven't evolved very much. You know, we're still like, as Howard Foran would call us, human monkeys. Mm. What has changed is, is magnification. And by the way, that's part about the systems. Like you need to have the right systems, you have to have the right tools, right technology to be efficient. A lot of offices are still functioning like it's, you know, it's like... 1989, I know. Enron called, they want their scanners back. <laughs> <laughs> The shredders background. Yep. <laughs> I knew where you were going with that. And that's, that's because we're older. I get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny. Like I, I've said this at a couple of conferences and it's like, I like at Yankee where we might have slightly older audience. They all got it. They actually thought it was a good joke. And then I, I said something like, it was another meeting where it was mostly younger. It was a breakaway. So it was mostly younger docs. Oh yeah. And they're like, huh? What? <laughs> <laughs> Try this next time. I use uh, the term pink slip. I used to have it on my on my slide when we were talking about management. I said, what happens when you get ready to give somebody a pink slip? And most of the audience knew what I was talking about. But then these really young, fresh-faced girls, they're like, why would you give someone a pink slip? I don't, <laughs> what is that about? It's like, oh, gosh, you don't understand. And for those of you that don't know, that's we used to give people a slip that said you're fired, but it would be in triplicate. And because we needed, that's how we documented. The copy that you gave to the person who just got fired was pink. So yes, this is antiquated, but again, it, it, you have to update all of that. Like you said, that's, so try that and see how much of your audience is like, what is a pink slip? <laughs> and that is when I realized, Gina, I was getting old. That class right yeah. there is when I realized it. <laughs> My mom was an engineer, but after, you know, we, we were trying to immigrate from Russia and this is like communist Russia. The borders got closed. We weren't able to leave. And there was right around the Olympics in Moscow because she was she was essentially at that point a dissident, she got um, fired from her job and she ended mm -hmm. up working as a cashier, which is like, you know, for an engineer. And she was you know, yeah. like with radio engineer. I, I don't even know. That sounds too complicated for me. But she used abacus. Oh, my goodness. And she was so fast. Like, I've never seen anyone go so fast on abacus. I, I was just fascinated with. I, I just that's watched amazing. her mesmerizing just to like see her move those little pieces. So that's that's how old we are. <laughs> You know, let's let's go into that because I, the one thing I, I like about Yappy, I, <laughs> I tried to be stealthy, Gina. I took one of your informational webinars because I wanted to learn more about the program. And I was like watching and everybody else was listening and I was watching. It was a demo. And then I guess Adam said, uh, Dr. Gina says hi. And I was like, oh, man, I'm trying to be stealthy. <laughs> I was trying to take a demo. I didn't want anyone to know I was checking it out because because that's how I stay on top of products. And I never want to recommend something that I look at and go, ugh. So, that's why that's what I do. I always demo products. And what I liked about your product, first of all, it's just it's it's that bubbly. It's bubbly. I like it. And just and I think if you're not a bubbly person, that's not going to resonate with you. But if it's important to you, that that will be important. And it also is taking away pain points that goes right in with that delegation thing that we were talking about. And I'm going to tie this together. The old school was the scheduling book, right? I'll share my story here. We had two different locations and I started back where we had the big scheduling books. You remember, you yeah. flip it over, everything was in pencil. It was great. It was my domain. Nobody messed with Teresa's scheduling books. And then in July, we had another scheduling book because the next year, right? So we needed to book hygiene for the next right. year, but for two locations. So we had four books and it was, they were my books. And so when it was time to move to Dentrix scheduling, you know, on the computer, I thought, oh my gosh, this is just going to be the worst. And it took a little bit of time. I mean, I, I converted, obviously. I enjoy it now. But there's people who are paperless, was like, ah, 
so you manage you and a couple other companies have managed to make paperless uh, pretty much the norm. I mean, honestly, if you're not doing paperless forms right now, it's it's really it's just silly, honestly. But the online scheduling piece is is a hard nut to crack, and you are now rolling something out that you think you've cracked that nut. What do you anticipate to be the Teresas coming by the booth going, what do you mean people can schedule? Nobody should be able to put their appointment in at 10 o'clock. That's a good space. I don't want to give them that appointment. What are you going to say to all of that? Because you're going to hear it. Oh, absolutely. And I'm actually doing a webinar next week that talks a lot about this. You know, there are a lot of objections. And the object, the number one objection that we hear is that we don't want the inmates to let the inmates run the asylum. Right, right. Here's the thing. You have Muffy at the front end. Muffy <laughs> can screw up your schedule big time. You can give an appointment and forget to book it. Yes. Like patients show up, they have a, an appointment card in hand, and they say, but Muffy gave me this. But Muffy got distracted. And you know what? Front office, I worked at the front office. I spent years in front office. If this like whole like dentistry and like yappy thing never works out, I'd be happy just doing billing. Like doing billing, writing narratives. Getting money out of those insurance companies, that was my favorite job of all times. Yeah. But the problem is, is that, you know, you get distracted. You're like an octopus with a giant head and eight arms that you have to get to everything. I have a photo Mm. of one of my front office, my biller, actually, Gladys. She's sitting with one phone like this and another phone like that. That's just like craziness. I remember doing that myself because you're on hold with the insurance company. And then the phone comes in, 33%, it's according to Chris, Dr. Chris Phelps, who has the call tracker ROI, also has the, I think it's called Golden Nugget Scheduling, which is like a, his platform for scheduling new patients. And they're measuring the number of phone calls that a typical office misses during the day that's coming from marketing pieces, because they know marketing, they have those marketing uh, tracking lines. So they can tell how many phone calls are going to voicemail during the day, 33%. Guess how many patients, those 33% potential new patients that are coming from marketing efforts, I actually go into schedule the appointment. Probably two, 2%, yep. 1%. Yep. So what happens is only 15% out of the, those 33 actually leave a wow. message, less than 3% actually call back after getting a call back from the office. And so we don't even have the appointment at that time. So that's less than 3% that call back and not 100% that you get the appointment at that time. 80% of your marketing dollars are being completely wasted on people who cannot schedule during the day. Now, the patients who, and and there's a statistic, and I don't remember the exact, oh, 43%. This is the study by Health Grades. Mm -hmm. 43% of patients are looking for a dentist after hours when the office is closed. I believe it. And where are they looking? They're looking on Yelp. They're looking on Google. They're looking on Facebook. They're asking their friends. They might come on your website. 43% and they can't schedule an appointment. They need to remember to call the next morning. And here's what Mm -hmm. happens. They come to your Yelp page and you have all those great reviews. You don't even need to market on Yelp. You don't have a schedule now link. But the dentist down the street has a scheduled now link and he's marketing on Yelp. So they're being promoted on your excellent, you know, reputation on Yelp on your page. Sure. They'll click on that. They'll see a schedule now. They'll schedule. You'll never know that you miss those patients. Right. There's no interaction with the office. 43% are looking for a dentist after hours and they'll never schedule an appointment unless there's a schedule now link. And this is what we're missing out on. We all like, we need more new patients. We need to market more. Let's get digital marketing. And there are services that you can use, but people don't want to talk. I mean, think about it. 
They don't. We have Uber, so we can get a, a transportation on the phone. We can buy tickets on the phone. We can make reservations for hotels and airlines. Planes don't fall out of sky just because people book their own tickets. Right. Same thing is going to happen in the office. Here's the, the thing. Muffy can totally get, you know, you have a patient who calls and they're like, I can't do this and that. And then next thing you know, Muffy is like fixing the schedule to get this patient in because she feels pressured. Yes, yes, yes. That's not going to happen with your, with your online scheduling because you set a set of rules. This is how you want patients to be scheduled. And the software blindly is going to follow your rules. Mm -hmm. You can't have a better assistant than someone who just doesn't ask any questions and just follows the rules. Exactly. Yes. Your computer scheduler is going to actually do what you want. So doctors, if you want 80 minutes period for your crown preps, no more, no less than this computer is going to do it. Yeah. Muffy, myself, you, Gina, we're going to be like, well, I could probably squeeze that by 10 minutes. Oh, so I can add this in and you can do an eval here. So you're right. The computer is actually going to listen. Honestly, it's that's that delegation. Like why Muffy's going to be so much better doing other things. Making an appointment is yes, super important. And yes, it's super important to impress the patient. But there's, like you said, a lot of patients don't even expect to interact with you. They all want it to be digital. I don't want to be impressed by Muffy. I want to be impressed by the fact that it takes me two minutes to schedule an appointment for myself when I want it, where I want it, from the device that I want without having to, to be on hold or talking to anyone. Here's the thing. So Yappy's online scheduling, we called it the smart scheduling. Let me tell you a couple of reasons why we call it the smart scheduling. First of all, okay. so we have rigid rules. You also have like little exceptions. And this is actually not the first release. This is the next release that's coming out. You'll be able to say, but it's okay if it's like five minutes or 10 minutes. Like you can put a time interval where you can do what Mafia would do and squeeze it if you want. So you have mm -hmm. that option. But the other reason is because when the patient first logs in, they will see all of the insurances that you take. And it's very detailed oriented. We are working with a company that does some insurance verifications. Mm -hmm. They gave us a very specific list and we followed that list. It's not just Cigna. It's like Cigna this, Cigna that. I don't know. All, of all this. No, the specifics. I know. I know. Yeah. Now you're coming into my world. Let's right. stay in your right. world for a second. <laughs> stay in my lane here. <laughs> So the patient can find the right plan. And if they don't, then Yappy will say, okay, you know what? Give us a call because we're not sure if we accept this plan. The other thing that if it's a recall patient, we have continuous care reminders going out. There's a link for them to schedule. If they click on that link, Yappy already knows all of their demographic information. They know their insurance. They know insurance rules. We're not going to let the patient schedule their profi one day before their due date. So then we have a problem with insurance not going out. Or if the patient is due for update, they're going to get a, a link to their form. So the patient schedules an appointment, gets the forms. They don't, we don't need to ask them to come in 15 minutes early. How often do they do that? They never do. They either show up 45 minutes early and then they sit and, and they sigh and they, you know, and now they sit in a car. In Texas or California, it's great to have a patient sitting out in a car in like 100 oh degrees, God. right? It's patient friendly. It saves you team time. So in my office, we just installed a new version in... So we're like, let's say two and a half months with this system, 140 patients have scheduled online. Think about it. Five minutes per appointment is, uh, is how long it takes roughly on the phone. That's nine hours. Absolutely. You do with nine hours. Could you catch up on that insurance list? Here's the thing. So you're going to mention that to Muffy at the trade show and she's going to look at you suspiciously. So I'm sure you're going to have the marketing material for that. But if you tell Muffy that what she does so wonderfully on the phone is now not important. 
that's a hard thing for Muffy to hear because that's kind of how I felt was like, well, I'm, I'm going to impress them on the phone. Now I can't impress them on the phone. But that's me being, it's about me at that point. It's not about the office. That was what I needed to realize was my doctor was looking at me like, but this is going to be a good thing. I was like, yeah, for you. And then I'm like, what am I doing? I work here. What am I doing? <laughs> this isn't my company. This is what I would tell Muffy, like, look, you know, here's the thing. The 30% of patients who are calling your office and you're missing those calls, they're not being impressed. If you can reduce the number of phone calls that are coming into your office, then you can impress the ones who want to talk to you. So 35% of all patients, it was another survey, 35% of patients said that they would not go to a dentist who didn't allow um, online scheduling. Like these are the people that you're missing, but then they're the ones who want to call the office and Mm -hmm. these are the people you're going to impress. So you're still going to, you're still going to get your chance to shine. You're just going to shine more because you're going to have more time to do the things that you need to do and the things that you do so wonderfully. Because for some people, like I like convenience. I don't like to call people. I would prefer to text if I could. So for me, online scheduling would be ideal. I do everything online. If I can't do it online, a lot of times it's not getting done. Like I'm thinking, oh, I need to call and schedule something. And it's like, how often does that happen? Like you think about it in the shower, but you can't call you in the shower. Then you forget that you're busy running around. And here's another thing. You call, Muffy picks up, schedules an appointment, and it's like you have two options. You have more, you know, how do they teach us to schedule, which is great. Like, that's the mm-hmm. right way to do it. You want, like, morning or afternoon, Tuesday or Thursday, 9 or 11, and then you give them 11. Great. The problem is she comes home and she's like, oh, I forgot I have, you know, Lenny's soccer game. And so here you have the last-minute cancellation. And this is another yes. objection that I hear all the time. I appreciate the convenience. I know patients love it, but I know if I if I make it easy for them to schedule, they'll just cancel. Oh, this is mythical. It's not the same. It, it doesn't translate. And let me tell you why. Why do patients cancel? One, it's not convenient. It's not convenient, which is like nine or eleven, whatever. When they do online, they can see all of the different times. They can see different providers, so they find an appointment and they can do it at night when they have the soccer schedule in front of them. A lot of times, like we sit at dinner, we're like, oh, shoot, I need to make uh, Mila's uh, ortho appointment. And then like, oh, can you take her tomorrow? By the way, I was supposed to call my daughter's orthodontist. This is not like, I'm not like making that up. I'm like, literally, shall we? this morning, I was talking to my husband, like, can you take Mila to ortho's appointment? He said, if it's before three, so I was supposed to make a 245 appointment. I still haven't called. Oh, no. <laughs> and Mila is like, well, mom, it's been two weeks. And I was like, well, I was out of town last Friday. Here's the thing. First of all, they get a better choice of time. They're doing it when it's convenient to them. They don't. They, it's an easier decision. They find the right appointment. What happens is a lot of times we'll be like, you know, if you don't have anything sooner, we'll we'll call you. And if they don't call and my schedule doesn't work out, I'll be more likely to cancel. Plus, the appointment is likely to be far away. Smart scheduling with Yap is also connected to our newest feature, Smart Fill, which. It's like an SAP list on steroids because you can actually, in Yappy, you can indicate preferences, time. You know, I love Dentrix. I love Open Dental, but neither one of those allow you to do an SAP list for um, preferred times. In Yappy, with SmartFill, you can. So it's easy to find an appointment um, and, and move the patient to the right spot. And the patient has indicated that preference right. too, right? Right. So okay. Schedule, we can do it manually if we do it over the phone. Mm-hmm. to schedule an appointment, they have an option, like notify me if an earlier time becomes available for this, this, and that. And it's completely automated. 
That's great. The patient will be notified if there's an early appointment. And guess what? Majority of online appointments are scheduled for the same day or the following day. Those are the hardest to fill, right? Much harder. Those are your production losers right right there. You're just dialing for dollars trying to get those patients in. And with online scheduling, they have an emergency. They want a cleaning. They want a cleaning today or tomorrow. They don't want a cleaning a month from now. You know, they either pre-schedule or they want it now. Like there's not, there's no in between. Right. And the hardest cleanings to find are the three months or three weeks out when you send them the recall because no one has canceled yet. The schedule is already booked. Yes. Online scheduling solves that problem. But here's the thing. The reason why people cancel appointments is inconvenient time. They forget, but then again, like we carpet bomb them with reminders. They get three reminders. How forgetful does one need to be if they already got three reminders? If you send three reminders and they're still, you know, left a message on your schedule unconfirmed, they're not coming. Right. On the schedule, uh, leave them a message, tell them like, hey, if I don't hear from you by a certain time, we're we're done. Like I'm putting someone else in there and and you could use smart fill to find someone to replace that appointment and they show up, we'll deal with it. The other, and this is, this is like straight from Sandy Purdue. I, I'm not smart enough. The main reasons why people canceled is fear. Mm. Something happened from the last visit. They don't see the value. They have objection to treatment. They don't think the treatment is the right treatment. Here's the thing. Patients leave the office and Muffy has to, to fill the schedule. So the patients are still under the impression of what Dr. Bark said in the room and Muffy is scheduling an appointment. And then the patient gets home and the wife is like, why didn't you get a crown? Does anything hurt? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I, I do remember he was pointing at something when he was in the room. <laughs> I guess not. And it, and so this is a canceled appointment now, right? Yes. Value, lack of understanding. Let, people who come to online scheduling don't come with objections. Oh, yeah. They are self-scheduling. They're taking an initiative to schedule yes. that appointment. Is a statistic that's coming from NHS, which is like the, the British healthcare system, which is totally broken, but they, they're very good with their statistics. Oh my goodness, Gina, that's a whole different podcast topic right. we could go on. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Another study that was published in a, in a journal of gerontology, and both of these studies show that when patients self-schedule, the no-show rate actually goes down by, are we sitting down? 17%. Wow. 17. So when we feel that patients are going to schedule because we convince, like we play this tape in our head that we're super important. Everyone wants to talk to us. We're not wrong. We are super important. Everyone wants to talk to us. There are also people who don't. Mm -hmm. They want to come in. They want treatment. They want their cleaning and they want it now and they want to do it online. And they're not going to cancel as much as your patients who who were not self-scheduled because they found the right time because we took the initiative to schedule. So they obviously want this appointment. They can request an earlier date. They made sure that you take their insurance. They already completed the forms. That's another one. Like once they make a commitment, yes, it's an active commitment to fill out forms, to make yourself an appointment. That's a commitment. It's funny because two easiest appointments to make are my hair salon and my nail girl, because they only want to make appointments by text. Don't call the salon because it's all so much easier for their clients. And the phone rang when I was last in at the salon and I said, people are still calling to make appointments. And she said, oh no, those are just bill collectors. Everybody uses the online schedule or they text me directly. And she said, nobody wants to talk anymore. And then we just started on this whole thing. But it's true. Even emails, right, Gina? People 
they'll listen to our classes. And then afterwards you're thinking, okay, somebody's going to call with a question. Nobody calls with a question. They email you or they send you these long, I get long, gigantic texts <laughs> explaining the whole situation and then their whole life story, which is great. I get all the background, but it's because they don't want to pick up the phone and call me. They'd rather spend 15 minutes texting it out, typing out an email. I don't know if that's an indictment on our society that nobody wants to talk anymore, but I'm not going to argue if you're showing me the way, like you said, if they're going to schedule the appointment online, they brought themselves to the party. I just need to open the door and let them in, right? That's a great analogy. That is a great, that's a fantastic analogy. They want to be there. They mm-hmm. want to be there. They're not being strong armed into the three o'clock appointment because we have, and you know, I, I don't mind the block system, but it's like, no, we do crowns at three. If I could, I would just do crowns all day. Sure. You know, I have a couple of extended functions assistants who are amazing, you know, and, and that's another mind block that I, I know some doctors have, like only I can do a temper. <laughs> Please. I haven't made a temporary in years. Like I wouldn't remember how. I like doing fillings, but I have assistants. They they have amazing hand skills. They love it. For them, they feel the pride of workmanship Mm. to really contribute on the next level more than just sucking spit. Mm. And for me, it's time. So I can do that. But like, now I'm a patient, or sometimes my hygienist will now I'm a patient, and I'll prep a crown, and I walk away, and I'm done. Like, that's the best 3 o'clock appointment. <laughs> Absolutely. But for the patient, that might not be the best time. And sometimes we're so rigid in our systems because we believe that this is just the right way to go, and we're not being considerate of what it is that the patient's not that we're antisocial. As you can tell, I'm very social. I'm a little <laughs> social. <laughs> a lot of, like, you can only take me in small doses. Um, <laughs> That's not true, but that's funny. (laughs) But, uh, you know, people are busy. Like, I don't want to interrupt someone's day. It's like, is this a good time? Mm. You know, and I'm busy and I forget to do things when it's convenient for them. And I don't want to play phone tag. Sometimes I get a text message like, did you see my voicemail? No, why would you leave me a voice? Who listens to voicemails nowadays? I have my answering machine at home. It's stuck on 54. (laughs) And I know, like, I can't listen or delete anyone because someone will leave me another one. Oh, that's so funny. If I can't answer the phone, which I typically can't, it now transcribes it. So I'm not even listening to your voicemail. I'm reading your voicemail. So just send me a text. Like, exactly. And my son gets so annoyed at me because I will leave him a message. And I only do that because I know it annoys him, to be honest with you. So I'll leave him a message and be like, mom, I got, now I got to log in. And he texts me this, mom, why'd you leave me a voicemail? And I'm like, because I could, I love you, honey. But that's the thing. People don't even like to log into their voicemail. So, you know, why do we do this? I say in classes all the time, we make it very hard to be our patients. Very, very hard. We make it hard to schedule. We make it hard to pay. You know, if you don't have your payment online, now they got to find a stamp. Now they got to call you and give you a credit card. They got to fill out the credit card form. We make it hard to communicate. We send them these encrypted emails sometimes, and which we have to do, but it's all just steps. It's all big rocks in the road that we put in front of our patients. And then, and then we send them a text and say, Hey, can you tell us how great we are on this online review system? (laughs) You know, we wrap it up with a bow and it's just not a fun present. That's funny. So with Yappy though, it really didn't start out with all this. What did it start out as? Just paperless forms? It was paperless forms and it was an intra-office communication software. You know, I just remember like I would bring the patient to the front and I wanted to do this great, like, handoff. My octopus, I remember at the time it was at the checkout, it was Patty. We were talking about interviews earlier. Patty walked out from the interview and it was like, we did this interview early. We had like a sedation day. We didn't have a lot of patients. 
we did the interview and then one patient, I guess, came in a little early and Patty came out of the room and then she saw the patients standing at the front. And this is, again, this is group interview. This is not even the second because we follow up with a group interview. We follow up with a more in-person interview with the one or two people that we select from the group interview. Okay. So that was still her group interview. And she came out, she saw the patients, she came out to the front and she said, how can we help you? She wasn't even working there, but wow, I was like, she's hired. <laughs> Absolutely. Already working. <laughs> that's great. That's the kind of thing you look for in people in working interviews. It's interesting when people leave, like in the beginning, they kind of feel a little like what's going on. I'm not used to it. But as they leave the working interview, they're feeling relieved and happy. And like they had a social hour, they had a nice conversation. So it's very interesting dynamic, very interesting to watch it. But anyway, Patty was was at the checkout and I would come up to her and say, you know, patient needs this and that and appointment in three weeks. And this is, and I couldn't do it because she was on the phone. Uh, and you know how the patient is. The minute the bib goes off, they're out. They want to go. So we have computers, obviously, in every operatory. And the 12 o'clock computer has a sticky, not a sticky, but like a, like a Dymo label. Oh, the label maker thing. Label maker that actually says... Do not remove the bib until you're done with your note or check out or something <laughs> like that. Because, you know, we, it's a reminder for assistants to say, you know, give me one second. I'm just going to log in my notes and then I'll take you to the front. I, I cannot tell you how many times you take the bib off and they just mm -hmm. run off. And then, you know, she's chasing the assistant down. I mean, the assistant is chasing the patient. Chasing down. the front. Yep. But I would get there with a the patient. Patty was on the phone. I would stand behind her, which is really awkward. She's on the <laughs> phone. Maybe another line rings. The patient is in the front looking at the door and they're like, I kind of got to go. I would end up writing on a sticky note, everything or like routing slip, everything that I mm -hmm. do with the patient. And then as soon as I was done writing, Patty would be off the phone. Now I have to say everything again. Just really yeah. awkward. I have a busy practice. And I was like, wouldn't it be great if we had like intra-office communication software that was tied in with my Dentrix? A simple thing, like patient checks in into Dentrix or Markham here, and there's alert going out into the room saying, hey, patient is here to be seated. Like instead of Muffy having to get up and right. tell us the patient's ready to be seated, or then there's a hovering hygienist like, is my patient ready to be seated yet? No, they're filling out the paperwork. Why does my hygienist need to worry about a patient who is filling out paperwork or maybe insurance, credit cards, whatever? We'll let her know when the patient is ready for her. She can just finish her room, finish her notes. Mm -hmm. We like email, we like text messages, but sometimes we don't have a valid text message, uh, text number or mobile number on file or email. Mm -hmm. So Yappy prompts like a smart alert. Hey, you need to collect email information or you need to update the, the mobile number. You need to update medical history. You need to. Mm -hmm. In Dentrix, when the pop-up comes up, what is the first thing you do with pop-ups? I close it because it's in my way. Yeah, close <laughs> it. And then the next one, because if you close that too, you don't even read it. So yeah, we got, gathers all of those pop-ups into one like flag. You can click on the flag and read those pop-ups. Stuff like that, just like really just streamlining. Yeah. That's what it started out with. We added the paperless because I was we were just fed up. We were not paperless. We were a paper processing plan because we were printing forms, scanning forms, retyping the data, and then shredding forms. Right. And then we had those little HIPAA things that you peel off the sign-in sheet. Mm -hmm. What do you do with it? Do you roll it in the bowl and throw it in the trash? Do you shred it like it's sticky? No, if you're a manager, you hold on to it forever. Exactly. <laughs> and you know what? It was, oh my God. I've <laughs> asked this question at so many conferences and they always say the same thing. We hold on to them. We put, we stick them on another paper and then we scan them. And why? 
That information is in your computer. Because somebody in 20 years may want that piece of information exactly. from that particular day. And I don't want to be the one to say, we don't have it. These are all the objections that I have. And it was really silly, you know, and my boss, God bless him. He just has this face where he doesn't have to say anything. He just looks at me and he has that confused dog face, you know, where they tilt their head and he's like, what he's saying is that was the dumbest thing I've heard today, but he doesn't say it to me, but I get it. And that's when I started realizing I'm really saying some dumb stuff here, but it was, it was my comfort level. And it was just a matter of getting rid of that. You're going to get some muffies on the trade floor. Oh, yes. I'm going to, I'm going to rile up some feathers that they ate on when I'm speaking. <laughs> but the Adom group is great though. I love that. If you ask in the audience, who's doing this, they will actually teach the class for you. You just say, give me an example. And these managers love to share, you know, what's going on and what they're doing right. I have to share a story with you. When I was consulting, I was at a practice in California and they had Yappy and they had the messaging center. It would come up and I would say, oh, you got a message there. You got an alert. The hygienist said, oh, that's from so-and-so. I never read her messages because <laughs> it's color-coded. So she knew it was from that person. I was like, that's not really how they work. And she's like, trust me, they're not worth reading. But <laughs> I was thinking, okay, well, that's not really the intent of it. But the color-coding, I love that's a bad side of it. But the color-coding is genius because say the hygienist, who I know is super busy, if she sends me a message and I see it's her color, I something's going on. I got to get in there. It's time sensitive. Right. That was very smart on your part to design it that way. But to be honest with you, she really didn't have much to say about those <laughs> messages. So I, I kind of don't blame the hygienist for that. You know, we used to have walkie talkies at the time. Walkie talkies worked for a while, but then your office gets a little too big and mm. everyone is in walkie talkies. First of all, the hygienist will always call you into the room the minute you start putting the first layer of composite. Just you can't stop at that moment, right? Right. I would respond, you know, I'm like pointing to my lapel where I'm talking to my, you don't want to say you, I'll be right there. Roger that. Right. <laughs> I'll have full intent to go into up once to do a hygiene exam. But by the time I'm done with the last layer of composite, it's been like 10 minutes. I forgot. I totally forgot. So I go back to another office or to see another patient or my personal office. And then 10 minutes later, the hygienist is like all angry in my whole way. Like, and she's right. Cause I totally like blew off yeah. communication, but it's like a spoken word. It's like, it goes into one ear, goes the other ear. Right. I could be supervising three hygienists on any given day. I don't know why you dentists do that though. That's like gotta be insane. Not only are the hover hygienists hovering at that point, they're huffy. They're huffy and hovering because <laughs> they have to split your time. And you're also trying to see patients, even if it's not a complicated procedure, like you guys doing. Two to three hygiene. Two, two I could see, but three hygienists. My goodness. It's way too much. You can't do this. Yeah. When we switched to Yappy, it was like, well, great, because they said their hygiene alerts, they're ready. They can put a few things in. And I, I don't want to fly in into the room not knowing what to expect. Like, am I going to go in and talk about Invisalign? Or am I going to see a patient who is upset? Maybe the tooth never hurt until you touched the doctor. Like, Right, right. I want a heads up about that. Yeah, she can give me a sticky note, but then she has to leave the patient, walk over to me, give a sticky note. It's just like take off her gloves, like all of that. It's not necessary. She can just set a yappy alert, make a few notes. I can have it on my smartwatch. I can see it on the screen. You know, I can ask for a treatment plan. I love doing same day dentistry. Like I walk in, my hygienist will put um, something on a six o'clock monitor, like a, a picture of the tooth. I'm like, oh, wow, look at that. And, and the patient will be like, why is this bad? Are these my teeth? Why did he ask that? No, it's totally like, uh, I got it on like Adobe. 
You're right. I never thought of that. They do say, are those my teeth? That's so funny. I never thought of that. <laughs> and then there are always the ones who say they look like toes. I'm like, no, I'm not a podiatrist, but trust me, they don't look like toes. I've never thought they look like toes, but you're right. They say that too. And I'm like, what kind of toes are you looking at? Like, what on earth? <laughs> <laughs> and they'll say, can you fix it? I say, yeah, sure. We could put a filling, uh, you know, we talk about it. Meanwhile, my hygienist is putting the treatment plan in. She messages the front office. I need a treatment plan. She messages the assistant. We're going to be doing hygiene in this room. Now, my office, not hygiene, we're going to do a filling in this room. My office is set up in a way that all of the rooms are the same. So I don't need to move the patient because we do a lot of that. Every operatory is set up hygiene exactly the same way. So they don't have their rooms. Right. But she messages. So while I'm still explaining the treatment plan to the patient, and I say, you know, if we can make it happen today, would you like to do it? Most of the time they say yes. Mm -hmm. Daisy or Gladys will show up with an iPad with a fee presentation. A patient will sign on the iPad, collect the money. My assistant by then is showing up with the setup to do the filling. If you can do it really quickly, and this is what the central office communication allows us to do, then you can easily work in thousands of dentistry that otherwise you would have to reschedule and the patients don't show. Then the appointment dance starts. You're right. Let me just, we are talking way longer than I thought we would. And I love it. And we definitely have to do another because you said like three things that I wrote down. I was like, we need to talk more. <laughs> Let me speak directly to the people who are listening to us. You have a good system. I've worked a million times with offices who have good systems and bad. Who I want to speak directly to now are the people who are listening and thinking, I would love that, but I am so far from that. I don't even know how to start. Again, it's baby steps. I'm sure you didn't come out of the gate with wonderful working systems, but what would you say to a doctor who's going, I want what you have? What's the first baby step you tell them? First of all, I think having the team on board is really important. And change management is probably one of the hardest things you can do. So if you can get the team on board, team excited about this, then do it. If you can't, you got to work with a consultant who can help the team get to that level. But you have to show them what's possible, how their job is going to change. You mentioned a lot of things like, but wait a second, am I not important? Am, am I losing my job? You know, so you have to show them how their job is going to be better as a result of this solution. So yes, we're going to go through a little bit of a change, but let me tell you how it's going to help you. Not the mm. office, not the patient, how it's going to make your job better. So what are some of the things that you wish you were able to get to throughout your day that you don't get to? Like that kind of conversation needs to happen because if I've never seen a front office, I have never seen a front office where everything is done. Never. And the minute someone tells me everything is done, I'm like, uh-uh, right. I'm not buying this. Right. You're either not paying attention or you are just lying. <laughs> lying. And again, in every office, it's well-intentioned. They say, we always or we never. Mm. There's never, ever, never, or always. It just doesn't happen. It's not realistic. And when you start looking at the software, well, like you say you always collect the copay, but it just doesn't happen sometimes. Right. You're busy, you forget. Yes, I always make sure that I schedule a patient for their continuous care before they leave. And I check all the family members. Realistically speaking, someone walks in. Now, remember, you're an octopus. Mm. You're juggling, like you still have MedLife on hold. In the you know hygienist brought a patient to you yeah and then the, there's a new patient clearly a new patient calling because you have you know Yappy also has the the phone assistant that you can connect to your landline through like a caller box but we also work with Ring Central and Mango 
which is the voice over internet. So you know, it's not the patient of record who's calling you thinking it's new patient. I got to get to that. Yeah. You're doing so many things. Who has time to check all this? Yeah. Well, the IP will actually check for you and it will put actionable alerts on the dashboard. So you know what needs to be done. But you got to show this to your team. Like, this is why your job is going to get easier. We're not replacing you. We're delivering you an assistant. Mm-hmm. You're going to delegate without being a witch right? to this software who doesn't take a day off. You know, it doesn't complain, doesn't need scrubs. It doesn't need medical insurance. It's always right. working. You have the online access from home. You know, your job is going to get easier. It's a good sell. You have to get them on board or else... I mean, my goodness, sabotage by the team is just terrible. Yeah. And sometimes they don't even know they're doing it. It's the attitude. Here's another thing that happens, unfortunately. We decide to do something new. So we bring a new system, new something, but we can't let go of the old. Now we're doing two things. Yes. Now that's where it gets really bad. Now you're doing extra stuff. You're not really being efficient. You're still being wasteful in certain things. And the most expensive way of actually running a front office is being the hybrid model where you print, doing the data entry, and then you scan and you share because you still have expensive software. You still have computers in all of the operators. You still have IT. You still have everything. You're paying for everything. But on top of this, you're still wasting paper and toner and time. Labor, 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 labor. And you're not getting things done. So get the team on board. Have them participate in like demos and things like that because. People support what they help create. They got part of the process. Uh, You have to realize that you're going to have to look at your processes and rework your processes to make sure that you are not just bringing something on top of what you already have, but you're really flushing them out. You're being more efficient. Mm -hmm. A lot of things now, there's back in the front. And typically there's always a little bit of a confrontation because they don't see what we see and we don't see what they see. It's like, I'm going to run behind because Muffy told the patient that he can come 15 minutes late. And Muffy's like, she has no idea how hard I worked on putting the schedule <laughs> When Mr. Smith called and said that he was running late, I was just trying to save the schedule. And like, what's the big deal? It's just 15 minutes, right? So like <laughs> when we're implementing system software, everyone needs to know what the other side is doing because that's going to change everyone's job descriptions. And you have to talk about how you're going to do this. You have to practice. And the most important thing, you have to realize that when you take off with all of this, there are going to be glitches. It's not going to be efficient right this minute. Mm. You're going to learn from whatever is not going right. You know, you'll revisit it. And eventually you'll get to a point where it's working well. And this goes, by the way, back to where we're talking about delegation. It's not faster to do it yourself. First of all, who am I going to delegate to? You have to find the right person. And Mm. then by the time I teach her how to do something, I would have done it myself. That's true. What if? you delegate something that now you're saving 10 minutes every single day. Right. So it took you an hour to train Susie how to do something. Could have been easier to do to do it yourself in five minutes, right? But mm-hmm. if Susie is still working there, a year later, you've saved hours and hours and hours because you took an hour to delegate. That's time multiplication. There's a book, uh, Rory Vaden. Oh, he wrote the book, uh, Take the Stairs too. That's a good one. Yes, yes. He talks about this time multiplication concept. See, I didn't invent anything except for Yabby. <laughs> I'm a really good study of what other people are doing well. Same thing with software. It's going to take time to implement that software. But if you don't give up and, and you, you stay on it, then you will multiply your time. And another thing with delegation to, to wrap this up is that 
when Susie masters that skill, have her create an SOP for how this thing is done. Because absolutely, you don't need to teach Betty how to do Susie's job. Susie already has the SOP. It's maybe recorded. It's maybe written, however, whatever form you do it. But now someone else can come in and just pick up where she started. And another thing you're going to do when you delegate, you have to give up if this, then that. This is coming mm-hmm. from Tim Ferriss, the four-hour uh, work week. Yeah. The if this, then that. So basically it's call this place and do that. But if they can't do this, then you do that. That way they can't go back to you after every single failed attempt. Right. And just say, I tried, I tried. Howard Foran says, give people the authority to make things happen. They need to be able to make decisions. I think that's where we're, we're really scared. We can delegate a task, but we're worried about delegating decisions. In my office, we have something, and I think we got it from some hospitality chain. It's a $200 decision. Like if a decision will cost me $200, just make it. Don't even ask me. But the reason I trust those decisions is because I know that my team knows my core values. I, I know they understand the vision. They understand what's important to me. And you can tell, like if you read our reviews, and yes, we use Yappy to generate reviews, <laughs> people love us. And the reason why they love us is because we have amazing people doing amazing things every single day. And I'm not there to micromanage them because that would literally turn me into a witch. And the goal is to not be a witch, right? The goal is not to be a witch. This is great. And I'll end with this because I don't want to make you uncomfortable. And my audience knows I don't, I don't get paid for these interviews and I don't, you know, I don't hit anybody up for anything after these interviews, although you did send me two wonderful pineapples. So thank you for that. People, you got to go look at it. If I were still in the office and making that decision like that, it would be a no brainer there. Gina, thank you so much. My goodness, this has been simply amazing. We got to do this again and uh, talk about, gosh, a whole, whole bunch of other stuff too. <laughs> like I'm looking at like, what's 12? And it's been fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on here. I'll put all of your information in the show notes. I'll link to the software. I'll link to you as a speaker so people can catch up with you. And I guess I will see you online in the groups. (laughs) I'll see you there. I'll be logging in shortly. (laughs) And dear listeners, as always, you know, I appreciate you very much. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. We're all super busy, so thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in this episode. You can also find links for my book and for my live events and webinar schedule. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues. Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn.